That's right, all five hours. I don't think they'd let me do anymore, so this is the max McMonagle you can get, and let's roll 877-337-6666 after a little basketball on the fan. How about that? How about that, bro? The Nets with their best win of the season as they ruin, they ruin the night for Durant out in the desert of Phoenix. As they win 116-112, to 112, an excellent played game. Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges make their return to Phoenix a winning one. Played excellent basketball. Had a, was it, a 19-0 run to end the first and start the second. Held on after, obviously, the Phoenix Suns came back for a time, but they shot the ball well. For the first time, Cam Thomas, since coming back from the ankle surgery, kind of looked like himself. The bench played very well. It's Phineas Smith, Royce O'Neal. Those guys, you might not look at the numbers and see anything special, but plus minus. Uh, Phineas Smith, plus 15. Royce O'Neal, plus 19. That's a well-rounded, hard-fought basketball game from the Brooklyn Nets as they went in there and ruined the the night for the Phoenix Suns and played an excellent game and probably their best win of the season. A Phoenix Suns team that is now 13-11 and 11 underachieving out in the West. Obviously, they've dealt with some injuries first time with their trio altogether. But the Brooklyn Nets with a very nice win. The, Fe- the Suns were coming off a-, a game, obviously, with a lot of intrigue to it against the Golden State Warriors last night is obviously now the suspension, which we will get to. But a big win for the Brooklyn Nets, followed up with a tough loss for the New York Knicks as they lost 117 to 113 at the Jazz to start this road trip, their first loss to an under 500 team. And they were just awful in this game. They made it up. They were down 17 points at one point, I believe in the fourth quarter, rallied back, got it to within a possession late in the game, couldn't make that one last shot, uh, but they just couldn't make shots all night long. I mean, they were just... They were just awful in this game from the from behind the arc, especially where they went nine for thirty nine from three point land. Barrett was terrible for three for sixteen from the field overall. Oh for seven from three point land. Brunson oh for six from behind the arc. The only one who shot the ball well was the Divincenzo four for nine. They were just the offense was stagnant. Randall was the only one consistently scoring in the game. Uh, you're obviously. Missing Robinson, who's dealing with a, uh, we talked about it the other night, dealing with a ankle injury that's going to cost him eight to ten weeks. You saw more Chris Sims in, you saw more uh, Sims in this game, Chris Sims. You saw more Sims in this game. But, I mean, listen, when you shoot 20, when you shoot 23% from the three-point line and you shoot 68.8% from the free-throw line, in a game against a under 500 Utah Jazz team that are now 8 and 16 and only 7 and 5 at home that is not the kind of start you want to get off to after a good win against the Raptors uh to follow that up 
and start this road trip where you're going to have a bunch of games out west here to start playing like this. And listen, that's what you watch this Nick team. If they don't hit shots, if they can't shoot from the three-point line, they're not going to win these games, right? We know how good they can be defensively. They gave up 117 points to the Jazz, not their best defensive night. 20, uh, you know, but the problem is the three-point line. I mean, you watch it when uh, we, we saw early on in the season, you see it from R.J. Barrett. If R.J. Barrett's going to be a player for this team and, and hit some shots, they are far, far better. And now that you're going to lose the offensive rebounding and the second-chance opportunities with Mitchell Robinson out, one of the best offensive rebounders in the league, you have to hit your shots. And they're going to have to, you know, learn how to play with him. Unfortunately, or unfortunately, they've been used to playing without Mitchell Robinson over the course of his career. But they got into a nice rhythm. He was playing some of the best basketball of his career. And they have to now adjust. And they, listen, they're not going to win games shooting 23% from behind the arc. And the offense was stagnant. The offense wasn't, you know, the, the passing wasn't as crisp as it was uh, against Toronto. And they just didn't shoot the ball well. And a nice comeback ended up falling uh, short where they lose 113 to 117 for, to the Jazz. Again, 10-1 and one now in games uh, against under 500 teams. They've lost to the Celtics. They've lost to the Bucks. They've lost to the Timberwolves. They've lost to some of the best teams in the NBA. They've been able, and that's really what the Knicks are. And if you, you saw the Woj story uh, come out earlier today about the idea that the Knicks are getting a little anxious to make this move. All the draft picks they've able to acquire, all the, the assets they've been able to acquire, and the position they've put themselves in to acquire a superstar to take them past this level. This was a bad night. They couldn't shoot. They didn't play well. They lost to an under 500 team. Prior to this, they were 10-0 against teams under 500. That's who they are. They are the type of team that on most nights, and pretty much every night except for this one, on most nights they're good enough to beat the teams they're better than. That's who they are. They'll shoot well enough. They'll play good defense enough. They'll they'll rebound enough. They'll fight. They'll claw. They're still a Tibbs coach team. That's who they are. Brunson has emerged as a superstar. Randall's played like an all-pro uh, an all-NBA player for the most part after a rough start to the season, and that's who they are. And if Barrett goes out there and plays relatively well as their third player, they can win games against teams that they're capable of winning games against. And very rarely do they have this kind of off night where they lose games to the Utah Jazz. But ultimately, we know the ceiling for this team. It's the same with the Nets. They have a ceiling. It's a nice win. Phoenix is still gathering themselves. They played very well. Cam Thomas has emerged as someone who can score the basketball at an elite level. You all, we all know how good Mikhail Bridges is. Cam Johnson. Claxton actually hit a three. He played well. Dinwiddie played well. Phineas Smith played well. But at the, the, uh, at the same record now, at 13-10 and 10, for both teams, there's a limit. And specifically for the Knicks, who probably, and we hope, uh, you know, have even a higher ceiling necessarily than the Nets, who are a hard-fought team and, and obviously well-coached under Jacques Vaughn. This Nick team is a steady roster of a, a playoff team that consistently should make the playoffs. We expect them to make the playoffs, made it last year, win a round or two, but ultimately there is a level they can't go. And on nights like this when they don't shoot, they'll lose to bad teams. But ultimately... We're waiting, and that is the story, you know, from the, the tweet from Woj earlier today. They are waiting for a superstar, and it's getting a little tiresome. And that's why I talked about it when the idea of, you know, trading for a, a superstar earlier in the season emerged, and everyone's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the fit. I don't know if, I don't know if he's the guy. 
Uh, you know, I don't care that he won the MVP. I don't care that Embiid, you know, he's not a perfect fit. He's lazy. He's got playoff problems. But my point is eventually you have to make the move that puts you over the top. Eventually you have to make a decision and pick a superstar that's available. Now, I don't know if he's available. I don't know if any of those rumors were true or accurate or how much the Knicks love him or what his willingness is to play in New York, and that's not necessarily the conversation. The conversation is how long do you wait for the perfect fit? How many times, you know, at some point, you know, Brunson's not going to be a superstar forever. Randall is up and down. Now is the time to act. And as you watch this game, you know, it's a little bit of an overreaction, but watching this game and that Woj tweet, you realize what the Knicks are, what they're capable of, and what they need to do to improve and where they are and what they've been building and what they want. If they want to be a championship team, that's what they have to do. 877-337-6666. So we can talk... A little bit of basketball as we had a basketball Wednesday night leading into our Thursday morning. Happy to take your calls on that. But still, we all know it's a it's a Tommy DeVito world we're living in. We're still dealing with it. And you know what? So is he. And for the first time, I'm sure he loves it. I know his father loves it, Big Tom. I'm sure they're all very excited. They love the idea that the, the pregame is getting all played up and they're hanging out in the postgame. And yeah, okay, maybe the agent didn't like the idea that he was he was called Slimy, which was a nickname he never uh, claims to have. But on some level, it's been a lot of fun for the DeVitos, right? And I'm sure the kid's eating it up a little bit. He's had some fun. He's making the most of it, as he should. But if you listen to some of the sound today as they talk to some of the players, I think DeVito has finally had enough of it. I think you can tell now. Now that the certainly our afternoon show is discussing how great he can be and whether or not he is a starting quarterback in this league. And if he can be a backup, is he better than that? What happens if he beats New Orleans? What happens if he beats Philadelphia? What happens if they go on this run? Is he better than Daniel Jones? A Daniel Jones who's the first guy to text him, apparently. A Daniel Jones who he's picking his brain. A Daniel Jones who's been supportive of the young kid, and we figured that as much. But as he continues to play well, as he wins games... The story has to be about the football player and not the chicken cutlet eater. Like, that has to dissipate. And we have to actually watch what this kid's going to do. And this is a huge game for whether or not we actually get a look at what DeVito is and actually consider him. I know we like to have the talk. I know it's fun. I know we want to try and forecast what he can be the second he's available to be forecasted. I, I get it. You win a big game on Monday night, no less, prime time. We've never seen that uh, Daniel Jones. So let's forecast what he can be. This is the game for me. On the road, a tough building, a place that the Giants have almost zero success in against a defensive team that is supposed to be better than they are on paper but do have talented players. On the road, this is a game because let's be honest, and I said this yesterday, and I totally feel this way. We can talk about it all day long. And this is what I would say to someone who's sold on the idea that DeVito's the, uh, a better option than Daniel Jones. Or that DeVito is much better than just a backup. And the hopes are really high for this kid. Here's what I'll ask you. What happens if he goes out there on Sunday as we get closer to the game here on a Thursday morning? What happens if he goes out there and has a miserable day? What happens if he throws three picks... Looks awful, has a bad game, and the Giants lose 24 to 6 and or 20, 20 to 3. What happens? And I'll tell you what happens. It ends. It ends. So it's tough for me to get behind something I know is one game away from ending. That's all it is. 
right? If it continues, it continues. And if he wins this game, I don't think anyone's going to expect him to go into Philadelphia on Christmas Day and necessarily go out there and win that game. That's a, I'll give him that one. We can move past that, then take on the Rams and see how he plays. But this game against a lousy Saint team, an underachieving Saint team, a team that was supposed to win this division by a million games because Derek Carr is the best quarterback in the division and their defense and yada, yada, yada. I was on that train as much as anyone. They've been one of the more underachieving teams for me in the NFL, quite honestly. Not that I thought them to be an NFC powerhouse, but I thought they would easily win this division. They've been one of the more disappointing teams. If he goes into this building and doesn't play like the Tommy DeVito that we've seen over the last three weeks, and it's an it's a it's a bad, ugly game for him, the conversation's over. So this is one of the bigger games, obviously for the season, because if they lose, you can forget the postseason chances, which is only at a 0.4%. I mean, it's less than 1%. This team actually makes the playoffs. And you can kiss it goodbye if they ever lose the game. But this is a huge game for not only them, but for if we are legitimately having the conversation about what DeVito is for this team and whether or not moving forward you can forget drafting a quarterback in the top two rounds. You can you have an answer where you have a competition between a guy under contract who's been successful for you in Daniel Jones, who's won a playoff game for you in Daniel Jones, who you gave a big-time contract to making $40 million a year, and now a young kid who's, if he wins on Sunday has won four games in a row and completely pulled your season out of the fire and everybody's rallied around him and the entire team is loving the chicken cutlet story and the hand gestures and the agent and everything else. And he's become one of the bigger stories in the NFL where, I mean, it's, it's not just a local thing anymore. It's more, it's, it's more connected here, but everyone's talking about this. So if that story continues now, all of a sudden, how does Joe Shane attack this offseason and the quarterback position in a quarterback-heavy draft. So much rides on this game against the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. 877-337-6666, and I can't wait to see it. So we'll start with some basketball. Knicks with a tough loss. The, the Nets with their best win of the season going into Phoenix and taking on Kevin Durant and sending them home with a loss, a four-point loss as Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges show back up in Phoenix and win a big game for the Nets, and the Knicks fall short against the Jazz their first time against a team under 500, as well as the football, the Jets. What would a win mean for them and their quarterback situation? Could we see a different starting quarterback and not the one who won AFC Player of the Week next week against Washington on Christmas Eve if the Jets can figure out a way to beat Miami? What a weekend we might have in store. And we'll get to Yamamoto, and we'll get to what this means for the Yankee brand. 877-337-6666. We got plenty of time all the way till 5 a.m. in the warm-up show. McMonagle here with you on our Thursday five-hour midnight ride. We'll be back right after this.